You're listening to Docs Outside the Box, episode 13. Welcome to Docs Outside the Box podcast. This is your official show, looking inside the minds of cutting edge and innovative doctors. Think you'll find these stories in any medical textbook? Sorry, you're getting real live insight from men and women pushing the envelope beyond medicine. Ordinary doctors doing extraordinary things. Let's start now with your host, Dr. Nee Darko. Back at it again with another episode of Docs Outside the Box. I am your host, Dr. Nee Darko. And it's been a while since our last podcast. I am working on increasing the frequency of these podcasts, but let me just give you a little bit of what's been going on on my end. Uh, I've been traveling like nonstop right now. I am currently recording in Kansas City, Missouri. I am here for my 10-year medical school reunion. That's right. It's been 10 years since I graduated and moved on to Atlanta, Georgia for general surgery residency. And I must say time flies. I I can't believe it's 10 years, but it's here. And it's been amazing to catch up with people and classmates and teachers and just to see how far things have changed, uh, not just from a medical school perspective, but also from um, the perspective of my classmates and their perspectives of how gung-ho they were initially and how being 10 years into things, how their mindset has changed and they've become, uh, I guess, less naive to things. But uh, that's where I've been and that's where I'm recording currently right now. And before that I was in DC. Um, I got my, um, I became a fellow of the American college of surgeons, which I'm very proud of. So now I can add FACS at the end of my name. So over the past week and a half, I've been busy and traveling and, and, um, you know, going from one town to another town. So that's been the reason why there's been a delay in the episode. So look, let's get to, today's episode at hand. Okay. So today I have a different one for you today. So if you go back and you look at all of my previous guests, for the most part, they've all had the common theme of media or medical journalism or something surrounding optimizing financial freedom. But today, my guest today is living outside of the box in the realm of real estate. Yep, that's right. My next guest is Dr. Peter Kim. He's balancing his life as an anesthesiologist, as a father, as a husband, with being a real estate broker and not just a real estate broker, but actually the founder and director of a concierge real estate business. So what I mean by that is you are a busy attending. You are um, just, you know, you just got uh, uh, a windfall from being an attending, maybe not a windfall, but you got into some money and you want to get a home and you have a busy schedule as being an attending and you would like to get some help in terms of finding a house. Well, with Dr. Peter Kim's company, which is called Curbside Real Estate, finding a house with getting a realtor, getting a mortgage, um, and all the things that go into the process of purchasing a home is pretty much all taken care of with his company. So basically, he took his frustrations with trying to buy a home. Specifically for him, the biggest issue was securing a mortgage. And he's aiming to become a disruptor in the field of real estate. And you know me, I I really like people who disrupt things. So for me, I know there's a lot of controversy with Uber, but you ask anybody trying to catch a taxi in New York and compare that to now trying to get a taxi or trying to get an Uber, it's literally a 180 degree difference. Um, But his model 
His business model revolves around a preferred network of realtors and mortgage loan providers, and this basically streamlines the entire home buying process for busy professionals. So all of you who are in the market currently right now looking to buy a home or maybe looking in the future, curbside real estate may be the answer that you've been looking for. Just So just a brief history on Dr. Peter Kim. He hails originally from Baltimore, Maryland, or Beemore. Um, he went to Johns Hopkins University for undergrad and got his MD from the University of Maryland Medical School and shipped <laughs> from uh, one side of the country to the other. He ended up in Los Angeles doing his anesthesiology training, and he currently practices in Los Angeles, California. So before we get into the interview, some things that I want you to get from this episode are I want you to get the story behind the creation of curbside real estate. It's a pretty interesting story. You know, also, I think it's what's going to be really interesting is you're going to understand the story behind why he uses the name curbside consult or curbside um, real estate. Also, I want you to learn the role social responsibility plays in this company and the positive impacts um, that the company has been able to do uh, to deserving people on the other side of the country or excuse me, on the other side of the world. Another thing I want you to learn is how he overcame being timid about his business and how he's very open uh, about his business with his colleagues. Also, really good thing that you're going to learn is the current top three mistakes doctors are making right now when purchasing a home. And as I alluded to earlier in the intro, look, he's he's busy. He's an anesthesiologist. He has a family life. Um, and then he has his very a vibrant company on the other hand. So he's going to give us a life hack that he uses to balance a full clinical schedule with being a family man and now a successful entrepreneur. And last but not least, you're going to learn how he's not just a doc. So look, without further ado, let's get on with the interview. Back at it again with another episode of Docs Outside the Box. I am excited to bring to you Dr. Peter Kim, founder, director of Curbside Real Estate, as well as a whole bunch of different other slashes after his name. (laughs) So uh, Dr. Peter Kim, how you doing? Hey, I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. Hey, before we get into the nitty gritty of curbside real estate, can you just give us a little bit about you? Just tell us uh, some small things about you, please. Uh, Sure. Um, I'm an anesthesiologist and I live and practice in Los Angeles. I'm originally from Baltimore, Maryland or Balmer, as we call it. Be more. Be, be more. There you go. That makes me sound cooler than I am. But uh, <laughs> yeah, went to Johns Hopkins for undergrad and went to University of Maryland for medical school. I uh, trained out here in LA and just ended up staying out here. Um, I'm a family man now. I am married to an awesome wife who's also a physician. I have two young kids and one who's only about three months old. So for anyone listening with kids, they know exactly what my life is like right now. And like you said, I'm also the founder and director of Curbside Real Estate. That's what I was saying. You have too many slashes after your name. It's pretty, <laughs> it's pretty impressive. <laughs> it's pretty impressive. So, so uh, what I wanted to ask you is, how was that move from Baltimore out to Los Angeles? How, did, how was that transition? Well, it was tough for me. I mean, I grew up there. I mean, I grew up my whole life and within probably like a 20-mile radius. And uh, you know, I love it there. I'm a huge sports fan. I'm a big homer. Uh, my whole life was there and that got disrupted when I met my wife <laughs> and she's from LA. And so somehow she convinced me to come out here. So I think women can do that. Right. Um, oh, yeah. and you know, the first two weeks here were a little bit rough. Uh, but after that I was sold, man. Oh. And you haven't looked back. No, I haven't looked back. I mean, you can golf year round. The weather's amazing. 
And the cool thing is a lot of my buddies from Baltimore actually ended up moving out to LA, making the whole thing so much easier. All right, man. You don't have to brag, all right? (laughs) (laughs) For us East Coast people, particularly in Pennsylvania, where right now it's September and it's already at night, it gets already in the 40s. I mean, come on now. Sorry to hear that, man. (laughs) It's not too late for you. (laughs) I know the audience is like, man, would you get on with the interview? (laughs) I'm just saying, though, it's a big difference in the weather. It's it's bothersome. But but look, let's let's get back to your your company, your business, how you're living outside the box. Tell us about curbside real estate. Sure. Um, you know, when people ask me this question, I like to say curbside real estate. We're really a company with two missions. I mean, the first is to act as a concierge service to to guide physicians through the home buying process. Uh, we provide some education on the whole process. We shed some light. Then we connect them with the best home loans available to them. Uh, some of them which they only qualify for by the fact that they're a physician. And then we also connect them to our awesome network of carefully vetted realtors all across the country. Um, our second mission is what I call our social mission, and that's to be a business that ultimately makes an impact on children around the world by you know, addressing some housing, food, sanitation, and education needs. Um, I mean, I'll talk more about that later, but... <laughs> I mean, this company was essentially born out of my personal frustration and difficulty when I was trying to buy my own home. I mean, you know, you finally finish your training, all your schooling, and and you start working as an attending. You feel like you're finally set and mated and you want to move on with the rest of your life. Um, Well, that was me just a couple of years ago. And in my mind, that all meant that, you know, uh, that meant uh, I was ready to buy a home. And of course, like a lot of physicians just coming out of training, I mean, I was pretty naive when it came to these kind of things. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So I had like no idea how to get started. Um, You know, so my wife and I, what we did, we just happened to walk around to different open houses and we walked into one one day and, you know, we fell in love instantly. We made an offer. There was an agent sitting right there and we made an offer right there. And guess what? It was it was accepted. Um, I mean, at that point, (laughs) unfortunately, we were like, what do we do do next? So uh, somehow we eventually figured out we needed to find a home loan. Uh, the problem was that, you know, I was probably in the same situation that most people were in my stage. Um, you know, I had a decent amount of student loans. I didn't have a whole lot saved up for a down payment. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I mean, uh, it was a tough situation. And that was, you know, some of the m- most stressful weeks of my life. I mean. So so was the problem like securing a loan because of uh, not having much to put down or just because of all the student loan debt? Yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, what I would do is, you know, again, somebody told me I need to find a home loan. So I just walked into my local bank and I said, look, I want to buy a house. I have an accepted offer. And, you know, they got uh, over like a five minute conversation. They pretty much said, come back in about two, three years. Um, you receive a 1099. You don't really fit inside our little box. So come back in about two, three years. And oh, so you were doing locums during that time? No, no. I mean, even uh, my work as an anesthesiologist, I'm an independent corporation. That's the way my group is structured. So gotcha. I do receive gotcha. 1099. Okay. Uh, just like a lot of anesthesiologists, ER physicians, I think that, that I mean, they all pretty much work the same way. Um, and so, you know, I tried after that bank, I tried another bank. Um, and every bank that I called, um, you know, I got the same situation. They all shut the door in my face and said, come back in about two, three years. And I, I remember this really clearly because it was uh, around the time of Thanksgiving. And I remember telling my wife, like pretty much after Thanksgiving dinner, look, I don't think we can get a loan. I mean, I think we're done with the house. And, you know, we were pretty sad about that. And we were trying to come to terms with that. And then the funny thing was, I just, I mean, for some reason, I remembered at that moment that 
one of my colleagues had, you know, recently gotten a home. So, you know, once we got back to work, I mean, I stalked the guy and I found him in the OR and, and I asked him, I said, you know, how did you do it? And he said, look, you just need to talk to the guy who made it happen for me. He's talking about the loan guy who made it happen for him. So, you know, I did. And, you know, there's definitely a long story here, but fast forward 45 days. I mean, after one of the most stressful times in my life, I mean, we were in our new home. I mean, we still live in that same home today. So, I mean, I've, so happy, happy ending, ha- happy but there ending. was a lot of, yeah. a lot of pain I went to, or that a lot of pain that you went through before you got to that point. Oh, though. absolutely. And I mean, like I said, I, I'm, I'm the type of guy, I don't want any of my friends to go through the same thing if they didn't, you know, if they don't need to. So I just, I remember sending out like an email blast to all my, you know, co-residents and co-fellows. And I said, look, it was a painful process getting home. But if, you know, you ever are in this situation, just come talk to me and I'll, I'll let you know what I did and try to connect you to the same people. Uh, I really wanted them to, you know, just learn from my mistakes. Right. Um, so, you know, a lot of them took me off on the offer. They started calling me and then, you know, their process and it was like so much smoother. And then I started getting calls and emails from their friends as well, too. So, I mean, I just started, getting, <laughs> so it started getting bigger and then that's, <laughs> but that's when like, you know, that's when like a light bulb went off in my head and I realized that there's like this big need out there. I mean, particularly for physicians and I really felt like, you know, I could do something about it. I mean, I've always had this like uh, need to fulfill some sort of like entrepreneurial spirit. You know, and, and I really uh, wanted to, uh, quote unquote, start something that matters. I mean, I don't know if you've, that last phrase I just stole from a book from the creator of Tom's Shoes, Blake Mykoski. Are you familiar, are you familiar with him at all? I am now. Okay. Yes, okay. I'm, actually, I'm actually on the website right now. Oh, okay. Yeah, I mean. Because I, I think there's there's parallels between what Tom's Shoes is doing and what you're doing, right? Yeah, I mean, I pretty much, I mean, honestly, I pretty much copied what he's doing, but uh I give him a lot of credit for this because, I mean, his story is basically that he his goal from the beginning was to build a for-profit business that is designed to fund social projects. Um, so since the beginning, like for every shoe that's purchased from them, I mean, they give away a pair, I mean, they give away a pair to someone in need. And I was like so inspired by reading that book that, um, you know, I said, look, if I start a business, you know, it's going to have that kind of same kind of goal. And, you know, even though it was our goal from the beginning with curbside. I mean, it took us a while to figure out exactly how to implement it, but um, I mean, it really took us finding an awesome partner in this organization called Angel House. And, you know, I'm just like so excited to say we're in the middle of building our first rescue home in India to be completed this winter. Um, And yeah, and then now we, you know, we stick to that same very similar giving plan with every transaction that we have. I mean, for every transaction that happens with one of our network realtors, we actually provide a home for a child who previously didn't have one. Love it. I'm actually on Angel House's website right now. So in five years, 98 homes, 2,500 angels, you're a part of that, right? Yeah, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a part of it now. And you know, our home, our first home is being built and is under construction right now. And the opening will be in uh, this winter, in about three months. Oh, that's impressive. That's impressive. Now, how did the name Curbside Real Estate come about? Why did you decide to name your company that name? <laughs> I mean, that's really funny. I'm, you know, it's funny. We wanted to make this whole process really easy for the physician. And I wanted to make sure the whole process was streamlined. Uh, I felt it was kind of like if you were to call a curbside consult for something, 
Oh um, Lord, yeah. yeah but, but 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 in this case, quote quote unquote curbside console. Yeah, curbside console. But in this case, I felt like okay, they're basically calling a curbside console for real estate. So I was like, ah, you know what? I'll name my company Curbside Real Estate. Get it? I mean, it's a little cheesy. But. So you're talking. <laughs> you were talking about the other residents or the other physicians who were at your your hospital would come by and just kind of curbside you for advice. Is that what you're talking oh, about? Oh, absolutely. You know, they call me. I get random calls, texts, even from my own colleagues. They say, "Hey, I got to curbside you." I mean, they didn't say curbside, but hey, I got to ask you about something. And uh, essentially, I was like, "Man, I'm giving these curbside consoles for real estate," and ultimately that led to us naming the whole thing. <laughs> so. Now, how long have you been doing this? I've uh, been doing it about, it's it's official form, about two years. Now, does curbside only serve physicians or general public members are encouraged to come by also? Um, no, I mean, we can actually help anybody out. Um, you know, I've helped a good number of my friends out and they're, you know, business folks, lawyers, you name it, help some of the nurses in the hospital. But my ultimate passion uh, is to serve physicians. I mean, I think I provide the greatest value to them. Um, not only because, you know, I am one, I come from the same place and speak the same language, but mostly because I really understand how strapped they are and we are for time. And I know how much it helps to have some sort of third party guidance through the whole process. Take us through the process of someone or a physician coming to work with you. What is that process like? What would a physician, what should our listeners expect if they decide to contact you and they are in a market for looking for a home? Sure. Um, Again, we try to make it pretty simple. Uh, We take a little time getting to know each other over just a brief conversation. Then I connect you to the lender and lenders that would best be able to help you in your particular situation. I mean, every situation is unique. And so we take that into account. I mean, the cool thing is we've already pre-negotiated rates and discounts for all of our clients. And so you'd have access to all of that and you don't even need to worry whether you're getting the best deal. It's already set beforehand. And then we'd also set you up with one of our network realtors. I mean, they all work a lot with physicians and they understand how to best serve, uh, you know, physicians' particular needs. I mean, most importantly, they understand physician loans and how to win offers with them. I mean, trust me, I found that makes a huge difference. So then once you're on your way, we're, we're always here as a resource and we're constantly checking in just to make sure things are going well. I mean, hopefully in a few weeks or months, you've got some new keys in your hands. I mean, none of this costs anything to our clients and we do this for physicians nationwide. So, I mean, I really see it as a win, win, win for everyone involved. Well, I'm glad you emphasize you, you do it for physicians nationwide because I was under the assumption that you... You know, you only worked within the state of California. Well, I mean, that's how we started. You know, uh, we started just because it, it was all through my local network. It's again, friends, colleagues, that sort of thing. And then again, once your friends and friends start calling you or friends start moving to different states, we've just expanded kind of organically. And now, you know, we've involved in multiple, multiple states, so anywhere from, I mean, West Coast, to East Coast, actually. I'm going to get a little bit into your pockets and you can push me back and say, hey, mind your business, but I want to know. So, how you're doing in terms of <laughs> how you're doing financially with curbside real estate, compare it with how you're doing as an anesthesiologist. Is it similar or is it more lucrative? Let us be a fly on the wall in your, your bank account, All right. so to speak. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's totally, it's totally different um, for normal day jobs. I mean, I've come to respect this field a lot more. I mean, just talking about real estate in general. Um, I mean, there are super highs and lows. I mean, it's just not consistent, right? Because you don't know who's going to walk in your door and you don't know 
when these transactions will close. The good thing about our day jobs, it's pretty consistent. We know typically on a month-to-month, year-to-year basis what we're going to make. Um, you know, in spite of, I mean, even if the economy kind of goes down, we're, we're pretty comfortable. The thing with in mm-hmm. this business, um, again, the highs are highs and lows are lows. So uh, I didn't really have a great plan when I first started this thing about how I was going to monetize it. Again, I just knew there was a need. And I tried to fill it. Um, and I wanted to make sure that physicians didn't pay a dime. Um, but since then, to be honest with you, it's been great. <laughs> I'm not going to complain about the extra income it's brought me. I mean, it's really given me a lot of different options um, in terms of even my day job. You know, how much I want to work, whether I want to give up some calls, how much I want to work and, and that sort of thing. Well, since you brought it up, <laughs> natural segue. I love it. So, okay. So you're doing, obviously you enjoy what you're doing. It's a big social responsibility with uh, helping people who have, who are, you know, basically of less um, fortune. And obviously this is what you are passionate about. Do you ever find yourself wanting to do this more than what you do in a hospital? Um, no, not at this point. I mean, I, I love what I do. I mean, I do mostly obstetric anesthesia and I absolutely love it. I mean, it's not something I grew up thinking I was going to do. And I kind of feel like I was fortunate to to fall into it, but I, I love it. I mean, it, it's, it's so much fun, especially being around one of the happiest moments in anyone's life. Uh, I, you know, I have two children of my own, so I can attest to that. I mean, it's an awesome moment and I get to be a part of that. So I hope I can continue to do it for as long as I want. But again, it's more about the whole, it's more about choice. I mean, really, I feel like no matter if you're passionate about it, like if you feel captive to it, I mean, and that's when, you know, regret or bitterness starts to seep in. Um, so I found that as I'm bringing in other sources of income, you know, things through like, like through curbside real estate, it's actually making me enjoy my life as an anesthesiologist more. It's actually become more fun. So at this point, I said, I'm happy with the balance I have right now. You know, I actually like that answer. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> now, with with you running curbside real estate, being an anesthesiologist, being a father, a husband, how are you able to balance all of this? Are, do you have specific days that you work on curbside real estate? And um, is that completely separate, obviously, than what you do from an anesthesiologist? Or do you find all this stuff is just a mix match? Whatever is most important comes up during the day and you just handle it. I mean, that's been the challenge. I mean, that's... <laughs> I mean, that's always been a constant challenge. It's something I'm always working to improve on. Um, I mean, I think it really comes down to figuring out like what your priorities are. And you'll figure out how to make time for them. I mean, you're right. Sometimes, um, yeah, I mean, my day job comes first in the sense that, you know, those are shifts that are scheduled. But when I'm on, I'm on. When I'm off, I'm off. And that's a good thing because I can easily kind of figure out the rest of my life outside of that. Um you know, I, it's, in some ways it might just be easier to, you know, just be a doctor. Um, but again, it, it's been so nice having that other source of income that I make time for it. I mean, there's days where I'm post call, I'm tired, but I spend time on the business and I make sure I schedule those things out. Cause when you have a family, you're running, you know, you have a day job. If you don't start scheduling your life out, you're not going to get anything done. So, and of course I love to get out there, you know, uh, you know, take my wife out, uh, meet my buddies, play some golf. So these are all kind of things that I'm trying to balance. And ultimately, the only way you can do that is to really figure out what your priorities are and really, really, really slot those in in your life. Now, what's been the feedback from your colleagues? Has it been positive or negative or how about indifference? 
it's it's, <laughs> it's funny that you asked that. I mean, in the beginning, um, I, most of my colleagues didn't even know I was doing this. Uh, I felt really hesitant to tell people about it. Uh, Why is that? Um, I mean, I just, you know, I just felt that some people wouldn't take me very seriously, uh, you know, as a doctor. I mean, it's, you know, here's a doctor playing real estate agent. So I, I didn't really go on and tell a lot of people about it, especially as I was starting my practice. You know, you want to kind of build up your credibility. You know, you want to make a name for yourself there at work. And so I didn't really talk about it. Um, I just let people come to me through word of mouth. But I mean, the cool thing is, as I've helped people, you know, some of my colleagues, some of my friends, you know, I've got amazing feedback from people, some, you know, from a lot of people. I mean, if you had asked me to do this podcast, you know, two years ago, I mean, I would almost, most definitely said no, you know, you would have ignored my emails. I would have ignored your emails. You know, I would have said, <laughs> thank you for the honor, but no, thank you. I'm just trying to keep this uh, on the down low, you know? Um, but the truth is, I mean, as colleagues have found out about it, I, I've actually gotten uh, the opposite reaction that I thought I would. I mean, even honestly, people started seeking me out, you know, asking me about it. How did I start my own business? And, you know, they obviously have their own passion. So they're, you know, asking for my feedback on how they can maybe start something that's like they're passionate about. And that's what I figured. I figured you'd, you'd end up being an inspiration for other people who have the entrepreneurial spirit. Yeah, I mean, in some way, I mean, I guess you can call it that. Um, yeah, people just, you know, I guess they feel comfortable talking to me about it too. So, and they know I'm doing it. I guess I'm putting myself out there a little bit more. So it makes them more comfortable to talk to me about it. And and so it seems like everyone's kind of looking for some sort of additional income, uh, you know, whether it's passive or an active type thing, but people are looking for something else. Let's bring it back to curbside real estate in terms of you have physicians who come in, you obviously are, are helping them find homes and finding the best deals. Can you give us the top three mistakes that you see physicians make when they're purchasing a home? Sure. Um, you know, I see the same things over and over again. So I think, I think these would be my top three. Um, they don't educate themselves enough about the loan process. I mean, they, this loan process is like you're tying yourself to either, you know, 15, 30 years of this loan. Of course you could refi out of it later, but you know, they don't even understand some of the basics behind the loan process. What is the interest rate, the APR? How do I shop around for the right loan? What makes a good loan? And that sort of thing. Um, that's number one. And so we try to spend a lot of our time doing that for people up front, right? Um, number two, they don't get a realtor involved really early. And, you know, they think they're all the same. I mean, I mean, the cool thing is today we have all the access. I mean, we've got Redfin, we've got Zillow online. So we've got all this stuff. So I think people forget that they even need a realtor. But I mean, the realtors, they're great to get them into the house and the offer. But there's so many things that happen in the middle of the process that, you know, having that expertise, that second person do something, um, you know, that now you're you're a realtor also, aren't you? I mean, I'm a realtor also. I mean, technically, I'm a real estate broker's license. See, another slash. Yeah, another slash. <laughs> there you go. So, I mean, I have done deals for some of my closer friends, um, but now I get more involved on the higher side. I just make sure everyone else is doing well, you know? Uh, I try to just be like oversee the whole process. Um, but I do have my license. So that actually, so you know, I thought that was important for me to really understand what's going on, you know, and understand the process, at least the, just the inner workings of it. And number three, I, I don't think a lot of people understand exactly how it'll affect them financially. You know, like how do they come to that number to decide like how much they can afford? I mean, right. they shouldn't necessarily just let the banks tell them, right? 
Yeah, I agree with that. I, that was the mistake that I made coming out of med school. I had the feeling of entitlement. I just graduated. I deserve a home. And I had no clue in terms of what I could afford, what, how much of a house I could buy. You know, just because the bank approves you for a certain amount, does that really mean that's the type of house you should buy? So I, I think that's a really good point that you make. Yeah, I mean, exactly. I mean, people get themselves into a, I mean, just because, again, there's a number out there. They think they should buy right up to that number. And then it kind of, then they start kind of, once they start living life, they see how difficult it becomes, you know? Uh, I mean, sometimes the answer, I mean, we, we always ask the question, you know, do you, is it time to buy or should you continue renting for a little bit longer and that sort of thing? And I think that's something we address with people right up front as well, too, because, I mean, sometimes the answer is rent, you know, for a little while. It, it all depends. I mean, there's so many different situations. Uh, so I think you really, actually, it's probably the first question you need to answer, you know, is it right for you financially at this time? And then if so, educate yourself with about the process and then get like a good team behind you to help you. So are there any resources that doctors can use right now to kind of help guide that process of figuring out if they should rent right now versus if shit, if they should buy? Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of great information online. I mean, there's different rent versus buy kind of calculators and blog posts. I mean, on my website, uh, okay, I'm plugging my website here. So, I mean, that's... Hey, this show's about <laughs> you, man. Yeah, we have a blog. And those are the type of questions that we're really starting to answer, you know, for people. And hopefully we'll make it easy for people to, to kind of find that kind of information online. Um, as for the actual loan process, again, I found myself telling people the same thing over and over and over and over again. Uh, and I felt like, man, there's not a good place for people to get this information otherwise. So, you know, we did write up a little bit, a little ebook. Um, it's a short, yeah, I see this. Yeah, it's a yeah. short ebook. It's called The Quick Guide to Physician Home Loans. Um, again, it's only a few pages. And, you know, I wanted, you know, to be short enough that people could just read in between cases or, you know, when they're in the bathroom or whatever. But, <laughs> uh, but just get enough of the whole, pro just understand enough about the whole process to have a good foundation so they can make a good choice. You know, I'm looking at your website. Your website is really impressive. Um, there's some social media on there also. What, what's your thoughts on social media and physicians? Should we be embracing it more? Or do you think we're already at that point where physicians are embracing it enough? Um, it's funny because I, I was never <laughs> that heavy on social media. I mean, I had like a Facebook account only because, you know, I was worried about what kind of photos people were tagging me on. So I wanted to be, kind of be informed on that. Um, but now that I have this business, I mean, I understand now exactly how important it is. I mean, not just for like a business, but also for the physician, especially if they're, you know, trying to be a brand of sort. Um, you need to put yourself out there. And that's the culture we live in today. I mean, how we connect to people, how you almost gain credibility um, uh, how people have access to you. It's all through social media now. So I think it's something that we have to embrace as physicians. Um, and just make sure you don't act foolish on it, you know, because <laughs> once it's out there, it's out there forever. So, I mean, we, you know, again, through curbside, we've set up our own Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, working on Pinterest. Uh, we still haven't figured out Snapchat yet, but uh, we'll get there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I, I Snapchat. I, I have no answers yeah. for that right now. I don't even know what a geo filter oh, is. No, there you go. Yeah, yeah. Now, uh, look. Do do you think that we've reached a tipping point where more physicians are going to consider non traditional paths? Because, like, look at you, for example. Like when you first were working with curbside real estate, you were shy to tell people about it, or you didn't want to let people know about it. And then eventually, you kind of 
got more comfortable with letting people know about this story. So eventually you there was a tipping point with you and you just said, look, this is what I do and, you know, and accept me for who I am. But do you think overall physicians are more open to that now? Because, you know, obviously doctors were you go to school and, you know, you practice and that's what you do. That's it. But obviously nowadays, you know, we're doing so many different things. What, what's your thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, I think it's something that's celebrated a lot more these days. Um, I think that's why people have, I mean, gravitated to to what you're doing, you know, podcasts like this, you know, that's why it's become so popular. So um, I'm sure back in the day, I mean, there's more of that attitude, you know, you're a doctor, just be a doctor. But, you know, unfortunately, there's been a lot of changes in medicine. Um, I mean, there's a lot of physicians feeling really captive to what's going on, the whole political regulatory changes, you know, in some ways we're burnout, burnout. Yeah. I mean, we're just some way a lot of physicians are kind of being forced into feeling more like technicians than like, like doctors or physicians. And, you know, I think people are searching for things. I mean, they're out there and looking. Um, I'm just hoping that people, like I said, don't leave medicine altogether. I mean, we, I mean, we need good people in medicine, right? I mean, I'm just figuring out, uh, I said, I mean, I just hope people can figure out like, you know, different side income diet, you know, these kind of different side things that can continue that allow them the choice to continue to practice in any way that they want. Now, what's your advice for physicians or even med students who are looking to live outside the box, similar to you? I think, uh, I mean, I would tell them, you know, don't be afraid, you know, uh, don't be afraid to try something different. Don't worry about necessarily what people will think about you. If you're passionate about it, you feel there's a need. I mean, go for it. Um, but also realize that it's, it's not necessarily easy. I mean, you have to hustle. I mean, uh, the funny thing is, I mean, I know the hustle is in everyone, especially all, I mean, all the physicians out there. I mean, you wouldn't get through med school or get into med school, get through med school, get through residency. Right. If you didn't have that hustle in you. Absolutely. So steadfastness. Yeah, yeah I absolutely. Mean, you also, you already have all the qualities, I believe, you know, to do these things, to be successful in other venues. So I think you just have to explore and try. Now we got some quick, fast questions for you. You game, you ready to do this? Sure. Let's do it. All right. So what's one thing you want listeners to get from this podcast? Can I say two things? <laughs> I mean, I want people to realize that. All right, okay, Peter, I'll, I'll give you, I'll I give you two things. Well, I'll give you two things. I mean, this is why. I, guess, I mean, I want people to realize that there are resources to help people with their home purchase. <laughs> I'm just joking, yeah, man. You can do three things. <laughs> <laughs> two things. All right. Here. Like I said, I want people to realize there are resources to help people with their home purchase. And they're not alone in it. Okay. That's number one. Okay. Because I felt I was alone when I did it. So that's what people want people to know. The other thing is I want people to feel motivated and inspired you know, I want them to be able to, you know, feel like they can try something different and uh, and be successful. What's the 10-year vision with curbside real estate? What do you expect? What should the audience expect from you guys in 10 years? Uh, we're going to continue building it. I mean, um, I, I want, you know, hopefully we get to a place where any physician or doctor, you know, starts thinking of buying a home. I mean, they think of curbside real estate. I mean, that's what I'm hoping, you know. Love it. So look, you're you're busy. We we've already discussed that. You got a lot of stuff going on. Give us your best productivity life hack. Sure. I mean, a lot of people are probably not going to like this, but <laughs> the the thing that's made the biggest impact on me is waking up an hour earlier. Um, yeah, I don't like. Yeah, that. Yeah, I know. Sorry. Man. <laughs> I mean, it's it's simple. I mean, honestly, I I sleep an hour earlier now too. So you know, I, wait, wait. So wait, what time do you normally wake up? You know, uh, normally I wake up somewhere between you know, four thirty and five, what? uh, even on a day off. Cause I mean, I, I told you I have kids, 
So once your kids are up, I mean, your day is, it starts, you know what I mean? And you're going to go right. nonstop to the moment they hit the bed and then you're going to be exhausted. So I found there's like very little time in that time to like be creative, to be, you know, productive doing other things. I mean, I love that time and I want to dedicate it like really to my family. So the only time is to find time outside of that, right? So it's either late at night when you're, you know, your mind is just ready to shut down or honestly, you have to do it at the beginning, you know, before your whole day starts. So I found myself, I wake up an hour earlier, gives me a chance to just think, just kind of plan my day, get some things done, grab a cup of coffee on my own. It's quiet. And honestly, it's changed my life. There's a whole movement with that now, right? Just kind of waking up earlier during the day or in the morning. Um, I can't forget. I, I forget the name of that movement. There was a book that just came out. Yeah, it's called The Miracle Morning. Yeah, yes, that's what it yeah, is. Yeah, it's called the book. It's, it's called The Miracle Morning. I read that book uh, by Hal Elrod. And honestly, it's it, it's a great book. Um, I mean, it really kind of goes through. I mean, he gives you a routine so that you can make sure to be the most productive in that hour or hour and a half as possible. Uh, I don't necessarily follow it completely. But I mean, I, I stick to some of the basic things that he says, you know, you take some time to to reflect on how your day has been, how your day is going to be, what you need to do. Um, you know, you, you spend some time just, you know, thanking, you know, feeling grateful for what you have. And uh, and of course, spend some time just kind of getting moving a little bit and it kind of really sets up your day differently. So that means you got to go to bed like around nine o'clock, 10 o'clock at night. <laughs> Something like that. Yeah. I mean, I find myself, I get exhausted and tired around that time anyways now. So. Man. Yeah. I don't know if I'm up to that point yet. Cause I'm the type of person, I'm not going to lie. If my shift starts at seven o'clock, I wake up at like six fifteen. <laughs> <laughs> but I don't have kids yet, you know? So oh, maybe yeah. that'll change. You're rushing you know? out the door, drinking your coffee and Brush, eating. brushing the teeth at the same yeah, time and driving. Eating, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Eating in your car. I mean, that's, that's how I was too. The problem Remember is that life. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. I had that life too. And honestly, I try to keep that life as long as possible. But once you have kids, I mean, if you're going to do anything, you know, you're going to be productive in any way, you got to figure out some other time. All right, Dr. Kim, we're at our last question slash sentence. Um, this is a question sentence that I, I ask all my guests to finish. Okay. It's, I'm not just a doc. I'm a, and I present that to you. Yeah, I know you asked this of all your <laughs> guests, so I thought a lot about this. So uh, You know it. Oh, uh, yeah, so here's, here's the sentence. So uh, I'm not just a doc. I'm an idealist. Um, that's a, I, I mean that I'm a total idealist. I mean, I really do believe you can have it all. I mean, I think you can be a good physician. I think you can run a successful business. I think you can make change in the world. But most importantly, I think you can be a great father and husband as, as well. So that's my answer. <laughs> Love it. Peter, I love it. So listen, I, I need to take a moment to acknowledge you. This is a really good interview. I really learned a lot about you. I think the audience really learned a lot about you and your business. So I want to take a moment to acknowledge you for your successful business. You're very open about recognizing the need to be balanced, being a good father. You just mentioned that, being a good husband, being a good physician, obviously having social responsibility. So it's no surprise that you recognize that with success comes a lot of responsibility and using a portion of your funds to build homes for the less fortunate, look, that that needs to be applauded. So with that, I want to congratulate you. I want to give you much love. Keep doing what you're doing. 
Physicians need more advocates in the financial real estate business, so we appreciate that. So listeners, remember, check them out. Go to Curbside Real Estate, and it's curbsiderealestate.com. Dr. Peter Kim, thanks for being on this interview. I really appreciate it. Man, thanks for having me. It was a lot of fun. And that's a wrap. Officially, episode 13 is over. Man, I wish this guy's company was around 10 years ago when I bought my townhome condo in Atlanta, Georgia. So look, I graduated from medical school 10 years ago. Obviously, I'm here at my reunion. But when I graduated, the number one thing on my mind was, look, I did all of these years of delayed gratification. And the best way I can thank myself is to what? Get a home. Big mistake. I definitely fell into the trap. Um, one of the top three traps that he said um, that physicians make, which is buying a home at the value or at the amount that the bank allows you to take. So big mistake for me, but I was able to get out of it. But listen, I still can't front. I If this company was around 10 years ago, I would have made much better decisions. So I hope you all have uh, have learned a lot from this episode. I hope you all take um, advantage of this and, and contact them if you're in the market for a home. And um, look, I'll talk more about my saga with my home. Maybe it's for another episode. Um, but look, I'm interested in knowing what you all thought about this episode so you know exactly how to reach out to me. And speaking of feedback... Let's um, let's go and talk about or let's go and see what kind of iTunes feedback I got. So I've got feedback from Let DTW. That's L-E-T-D-T-W. And she or he left me five star rating on iTunes. Thank you so much. And says, I am so glad I found this podcast. They go on to say, as a 20 plus year career clinician, I found this podcast during a time of extreme burnout where I am searching for a transition. This podcast has been so inspirational to me. It has shown me that it has shown me there is a light at the end of the tunnel. It has renewed my pride in myself and in my black medical professional colleagues. Hmm, okay. I can thank you. I can't thank you enough. Let DTW thank you so much for not only taking time to give me five stars, but also to leave a very nice and inspirational message on that. It's very much appreciated. And everyone, listen, I, I just if you are finding value, if you are enjoying this show, I can't tell you how important it is. Just please, if you have a moment, take about 30 seconds, eh, maybe about 45 seconds, <laughs> go to iTunes, go to Stitcher Radio, or go to Google Play, whichever application that you use to download this uh, podcast. Go on there, leave me a rating, leave me a message. The reason why is because the more ratings I get, the more messages I get, it helps the show to grow. It helps the show to be more visible to other listeners, and I can continue to give you really good guests on the show. Remember, this show is about you, okay? It's about inspiring you. So if there's any other guests on the show that you think, or excuse me, if there's any guests in general that you think may be good for the show, please send me an email to docsotb at gmail.com and I'll do my best uh, to take a look at that person, that nomination, and see if I can get them on the show as soon as possible. Also, don't forget, you can send feedback to my Twitter handle at docsotb, that's D-O-C-S-O-T-B. And also remember, I got a Facebook page. So one last thing before we end the show is the last episode ended with me fading out on where or what month or what week I was on with T25. <laughs> so look, um, a lot of people were writing back to me and wanted to know where exactly I was. So look, 
I'm not going to lie. I had to start all over again. But listen, I am on week one right now currently. I'm about to finish week one. Um, but hey, listen, week one is better than week zero, right? So don't judge me. I learned from Dr. Dre, which is on episode three, that winners take imperfect action. So look, at least I'm trying, okay? So if you guys are trying to get in shape, hopefully we can do it together. But I'm on week one. So hey, call me out if you need to. It keeps me accountable. I appreciate it. Look, the show is over, but remember to always live outside the box.